Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Coves, welcome to Action City. Welcome back to the second part of our conversation with Jeremiah Davis. There's no pit and peak, so let's dive right back in. Looking for your voice to be heard? Have a passion and want to share it with those of a common mindset? Have a business or brand that needs to get the word out, but don't know where to advertise? Contact Black & Studios, a full-spectrum, cutting-edge podcast studio that services clients from all over the country. Black & Studios offers you more than just a podcast. We offer you an experience. In-house production from audio-video recording, editing, marketing, advertisement, and exposure with over thousands of people listening weekly. Black & Studios doesn't hesitate to back local businesses. So when you want your voice heard, Black & Studios has your back. Search Black & Studios on all social platforms. Email at podcast at blackandstudios.com or visit us at blackandstudios.com. And remember, it's Blackin'. So how, yeah, so you're working, how do you get to become where you are today? Like, mm -hmm. it's just such a, there's a leap here, right? Sure, sure. Well, I think I was doing, right after, in graduate school and right after graduate school, I was doing a lot of work creatively that was uh, avant-garde, pushing boundaries, and also incorporating a variety of different disciplines. So, for example, uh, a lot of work I did with Woodshed Collective which is a theater company based in New York, one of the oldest so-called immersive theater companies that that word gets thrown around, around a lot, but they were doing it 15, 16 years ago. Is this when the now. actors like talk to you? Um, yeah, what does that, that mean, immersive so theater? So immersive theater, that currently immersive theater is very popular and immersive has now entered the corporate lexicon. So right, right, right. we will probably end up, everyone talks about the quote immersive experience. Um, so in Gossip Girl, the new season, uh -huh. they, have an immer they go to immersive theater. Right. And yeah. Oh. So it's like it's entering the culture. Most, yeah. most of your listeners will probably have a reference point of sleep no more in New York if if they have one at all. Is uh, it in the warehouse? Is it, go, is it in, in a warehouse? Chelsea. In Chelsea. Yeah. So um, immer basically immersive theater is thinking beyond the boundaries of the proscenium theater. So you are not confined to this false chasm between performance and audience. Right. You are creating an environment in which the audience and the performers co-inhabit. So they sort of wander together. They they there there it takes multiple forms. Yes. It could be that like it's like the stage isn't like the It's like the old haunted house, I feel like that we I used think to go that to when we were little. That's <laughs> that's fair. I, mean, I, I think that's totally that's fair. Basic yeah. I mean, I think if you said that to an actor in an immersive I know, I know, they I know, but that's like, like no, that's <laughs> how I remember being sort of in a very yeah. scary yeah, yeah, immersive yeah, yeah. world I, where we were all there together. I, think, I had to get out. I think that's a good reference. No? That, okay, okay. You know, that yes, and and they're not all promontory based. They're not all uh, or uh, promenade based where you're moving, you know, the audience is on their feet. They're not all that way. Sometimes there is a, a seating component. Sometimes there are multiple locations. Sometimes there's just one. But the the impulse behind it is let's let's remove these conventions of this is the stage, this is the audience. We are willingly suspending our disbelief for ninety minutes or two hours, and we're pretending like the actors are pretending like we're not there. Let's embrace that we're all here together. Let's acknowledge the idea of performance, and let's do something that's different and perhaps more interesting, and allow the audience member to become completely 
ensconced in an experience. Interesting. So um, Woodshed was really and still is a company that focused first on design. So we would really we would come together when, in creating projects and say, okay, what is this world we want to build? And then we would build the world and do the research and, and construct the the ideas that would undergird the final product. Then we would go out and hire writers to help us craft a script. So you created the world to, first. Yeah. So that's very different. That's kind of Typically in theater, it, or, it it is atypical. Theater usually begins with like the a script, plot. yeah, mm-hmm. or with a yeah with a play. Yeah. that a writer writes. Mm-hmm. And we we were co-authoring the entire experience. We weren't saying, okay, the writer is the writer and the director is the director. We were thinking more cohesively about what an experience should be and very and centering the viewer, the audience member in that process. We were always thinking how is, you know, what is this person going to experience? What's their first interaction with the show? How do we um, Michael Tara Garver, one of my collaborators uh, for a long time in cohort from grad school and was a, a partner in which for a while she talked about we all talked about act zero what is what is the zero act meaning what's what's before you get to the show what's before you know the, the metaphorical curtain goes up so we were really looking to create an experience that connects to the viewer the audience member long before they sit down in a seat oh that's interesting okay and, that's interesting like i'm just thinking like I've been hearing a lot of these phrases mm-hmm. coming out recently, like trimester zero, like the yeah. things that happen pre-pregnancy right. or like, um, oh my gosh, what did somebody say the other day? They said something zero and it's like, yeah, all of the thought process that goes before. Right. That was something. Neely's strength coach at school was talking about instead yeah. of calling it like the first, they, it was like base zero. Base yeah. zero. And I was yeah, like, yeah. what is he talking about? No, this yeah. Is yeah. Like a, I, yeah, this is like the new thought process, right? I mean, okay. yeah. new to us. New to sure. us. Sure. Sure. Maybe not new in New York. Well, yeah. I think well, we I think we were making it up. So I think it was new and we were first conceptualizing this way of working right. and this way of, of presenting work and inviting audiences in. Um, but it's kind of a theory that can be applied sure. to anything. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I do the same thing at you know my current gig at Oklahoma right. Contemporary. It's like we. It's not enough that the gallery is great right. or that that the program is amazing. We have to really. Think about all of the aspects of, of someone interacting with the brand is the corporate way to say it, but the institution, the art center, you know, how what yeah, is, like before they get through the door. What that and that starts yeah. with things like advertising, our social media, um, parking in the parking lot. You know, there are so many different Word things. Of mouth, like, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. will influence a person's experience mm-hmm. beyond just the direct interaction with the work of art. So thinking through that and, and creating a holistic experience. I think that's what a lot of even cor- like corporate giants are thinking about, um, and, I, and because now we, our tastes have changed, the way that we consume has changed. There's more agency on the part of the consumer, right? So I think all industries are adapting and figuring out ways to inhabit this new reality um, that makes people excited to get involved with whatever they're they're doing or you know buy whatever they're selling. So that experience led me to teaching. I was um, I was faculty member at the Todorov Conservatory in New York, uh, where I founded a, a theater history curriculum and a film history uh, curriculum to two semester courses as part of their training. Um, I also taught or did uh, production work at NYU, The Atlantic, Barnard College, and so I was involved in education and teaching 
and I was involved in making work. I was also doing work on the corporate side. Then I, I started doing more things like consulting. So I would start to help people realize a vision and help them craft a vision for what they wanted an experience to be, whether that's an upfront where an upfront is where the the TV industry tries to sell all the right. upcoming shows to potential advertisers. So they throw this big party to try to make it sexy. They, and they want to make convince people that everyone is going to be watching NBC, whatever it is. And so you got to buy in because that's yeah, what the, the new gossip girl. No, the upfronts. Right. This was like, yeah. yeah, this was like printed in Us Weekly. So like what people wore. And yeah. Stuff. So I, I worked on a bunch of those. And I mean, those were the fun, you know, the more fun experiences. Uh, I don't it was think more we have time my, for me my to vibe. ask like celebrity gossip oh, questions. Oh, God. <laughs> I would we, love I'll come back. Enough. If we want to do a spinoff, I have a lot of fun stories Let's, that I can share. We could do a spinoff of celebrity gossip and a spinoff of food too. We might have to. I was going to say, sure. yeah, one for you, one for me. Oh, one for you, one for me. Happy you. to do it. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. So I was doing that, which I mean, ultimately, you know, I, I guess everyone's lives might seem weird to an outsider, but for me, it makes total sense where I am versus and where I came from. Uh, but I was not looking, I was doing well. Um, my wife and I were, were, we were married, we were living in Brooklyn it was we were thinking about maybe moving to the Hudson Valley which is what happens when oh, you get married to the and you have country. a dog yeah uh-huh. um, I was like yeah maybe you know get out of Brooklyn so uh, actually you first move from the city or Manhattan to Brooklyn yeah. then you go from Brooklyn to the country that's the right. yeah <laughs> that's the exactly progression. so that was the idea and because we we loved the Hudson Valley we spent a lot of time there you know our commute was long already we were both primarily working in Manhattan she was teaching at Columbia um, so Annie my wife actually saw this job post for an artistic director at this place called Oklahoma Contemporary. And she said, you know, this is perfect for you. You should apply for this job. Wait, where's Annie yeah, from where's originally? Annie from? An- not here. Not uh, here. So yeah, she gets the, the humanitarian award. Uh, <laughs> she is originally from the Bay Area, born in San Francisco, grew up in Berkeley, and then spent time in the, the larger Bay. By the way, Sonoma. nobody's from San Francisco. Well, my like, dad, I, yeah. Very my dad's, dad's from Palo Alto. Woodside. Yeah. yeah. Or Woodside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she was, I mean, she, grew, she was born and, and her first few years of life were lived in the San Francisco and then her, the, her parents moved to Berkeley right, right. and then her parents moved to Sonoma and Sonoma County and then to Marin County where they live now. Oh, so nice. we spend, in the before times we would be in California frequently. We did re- recently, we were able to visit family she, and see yeah. her niece for the first so, time and just was born last year. Has she been to Oklahoma Yeah, she visited. We'd, we'd, you know, visited okay. my, my what mom What a really here. amazing wife yeah. that she saw something that she knew you would love. She's amazing. And she, I mean. Yeah. And, and it was hard. I mean, that was not an easy process for her either um, to move. And, you know, she didn't have a gig. We had to, I mean, she, she's now. So you had never met Chris Cassie before no, then? No, had no, you no. ever heard of him? Had um, you, I mean, yeah, Kirkpatrick. The, yeah. Yeah. The, Kirkpatrick not, Foundation. Not Chris, you'd probably, not Chris Cassie, but the Kirkpatrick family. Yeah. I'd heard that name. Had you been to Marfa? Uh, no, I knew about Marfa, but I hadn't been to Marfa. Um, so, what? yeah, so I apply. Eventually, I dithered a lot. I was like, I don't know. Because my experience in 2008, when I started applying for a job in 2009, I'm, I mean, Catherine, I mean, I might have applied for, I don't know, 75 jobs. Oh, God. Like maybe one interview, you know, like two interviews. Never – like and I'm, when I say a job, I mean what most people would consider right. a job. You have yes. a regular paycheck. Yeah. You have some set hours. You got vacation. You, you got some you benefits. Got him, yeah, yeah, benefits, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was looking for that at a – you know, whether it was in a, a theater company, film and TV. And I did have the opportunity actually to do that several times and I declined because it wasn't – exactly what I wanted to do. I right. was an interim technical director at St. Anne's Warehouse, which is a great uh, cultural perform- performance-oriented company in New York. And I, I loved it, but I didn't want to do that. And I also had the opportunity to be the technical director of Worcester uh, Group, which is this very famous avant-garde theater company who I've learned about in school and had a lot of respect for. But 
I had the interview and I was like, this is, I don't want this job. This yeah, job's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to be on the creative side. So I didn't take those gigs that eventually they became available. I didn't take them. And I, I was doing fine. I had, you know, I had the teaching opportunities. I had some gigs. I was, you know, rent, rent was getting paid. We get that because we have a million jobs. We, yeah, yeah. You had a million yeah. jobs. We love to have a million. So, jobs. It, you know, it was, sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it was hard, but you, you put it together, you figure it out, you make it work. Um, so I didn't, I was, I was like, I'm just not going to You were have. done applying for jobs. You're yeah, like, I've like, applied for that. enough jobs in my life. I don't know. So I was like, I don't know. And I don't know anybody. And most likely they're going to hire somebody they know. And so why? Why? Yeah. And my good friends, uh, the Reeds in Tulsa, who I grew up with, and they later married each other. And they got a bunch of kids. They're a cute family. Um, you made that Casey, sound like they're related and they married each other. I know he no, did. They are not. <laughs> they were first cousins. <laughs> Casey Reynolds. Now Casey Reed. Ben Reed. Shout out to I just my said, homies. You said the Reeds and then they married each other. The Reeds. They so, married each other. Well, I knew, I knew I them know, before. I'm giving you a hard time. For people outside the state of Oklahoma, don't believe the stereotypes. <laughs> no, 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 no. It doesn't. They, it's, we're not Arkansas. Yeah, just to, just to be clear. <laughs> I'm not going to disparage anybody else, but just to be clear, my, my good friends do not share genetic material. <laughs> good, good. Uh, but she was like, listen, you got to do it. Just... Why not? Yeah. This if, if you're qualified, you'll get an interview. So I applied, and then literally the next day, Chris Cassie calls me, and uh, I was shocked because normally you get, and this was a the search HR firm. person this, calls or whatever. This was yeah. a search firm, so it would have been maybe one of the screeners for the search firm, and then the recruiter at the search firm, right, and then right. maybe somebody lower down and then maybe it, your final interview is with like the president of the organization. But that's how so. it happens in New York. In Oklahoma, it's a whole well, different I, I mean, system, he right? w- apparently it was a very difficult search process. So Chris was like, this guy sounds great. So I talked to him. I visited his place in New York where he also has an office and um, it seemed good. I, I really loved the vision that he was articulating for what this place could be and what Oklahoma Contemporary w- was how early on was do. it? Had they this rate- was 2015. So the capital campaign okay, officially so they- launches in 2015. Okay. So we're still at that point. They thought we were maybe two and a half years away from, from the building, from the new building. And staff had been told for like 20 years that there's going to be a new building. So there was a lot of uh, morale challenges when I got there because people were like, it's never going to happen. So you went I to work at the happen. fairgrounds when you first yeah, got yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. So, and I, then I did a visit. Um, my wife and I came out, we visited Oklahoma city, which I haven't, I hadn't been to in years and saw what was going on. And I thought, you know, in cost of living, I'm sure. Compared sure. To oh, God, you like, <laughs> well, and to me, the big, you know, and I, eventually they offered me the job, obviously, and I took it. But for me, the, the big, decisive factor was I would be able to contribute in a very significant way to the cultural ecosystem of Oklahoma in a way that I, I was not in New York. I was doing a lot of work, but New York doesn't need, it doesn't need anyone. You know, right. it, yeah. New York is, will always and forever be, despite what the naysayers have to say, an amazing global capital. It's, it's yeah. always going to have just incredible cultural opportunities, art opportunities, yeah. finance, media, tech, the list goes on. So um, I thought if I move back to where I'm from, I could help create an environment where people like me didn't think I have to move away from this place in, yeah. order, in order to pursue my passions and dreams. I that, just got chills when you said that because – I think that's a that lot is, of people's goals here, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean a lot of people who really love Oklahoma City, that's kind of their goal. It's like you don't have to move away to find what you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. I want my children to be able to find that in Oklahoma. Yeah. I mean they can move away. They can do whatever they want. But sure. I want them to have an opportunity here if they want to stay here. And Yeah. Americans are weird in that we move away. Yeah. That's, a, that's unique. Globally, most people, to to the degree that we do, most people don't move so far away from where they're from. Really? But, but That's we, interesting. You know, to pursue either 
you know, job opportunities or just a different lifestyle. Americans do it constantly. And I never thought I would live back in Oklahoma, but neither did we. Neither this did was we. an opportunity that allowed me to move back here and, and you know, make a, a contribution in a small way to the place where I'm from. So what did Annie teach at Columbia and what does she do now? And did she, she was find her groove here? Yeah, yeah. She was teaching in what they call the core. So they have a pro- Columbia is unique in the, the Ivy League system in that they have what has been derisively perhaps referred to as a great books program. But you go through literature of the humanities, which is what she was teaching. There is um, the basically the history of philosophy, the history of music. So the, the understanding uh, the, the references that basically world leaders from Greece and Rome would have had or European leaders. It is in recent years, they've endeavored to diversify the canon. So they're looking at multiple civilizations and not just primarily Greece, Rome, Europe, the United States. And I think they're doing some good work there. But it's so she was teaching classics going back to the Greek philosophers, tragedians, and then, you know, things like St. Augustine and Shakespeare, and then ending with Toni Morrison. So she was that's a wide range. Yeah, she's a theater PhD. So, but a lot of different people teach the literature of humanities course, but she was had had a postdoctoral fellowship. She was teaching there. And now she's at the University of Central Oklahoma. She is in the philosophy and humanities department there. But her background's in theater. Her book came out. Um, her first book came out last year. So she's um, yeah. It's about it's called modernizing costume design. It's an exploration of the rise of costume design as an independent element of um, performance in the late 19th century during the period of modernism. That's, and focusing that's really on really cool. Yeah, yeah. It is. It, it has some popular interest. There's she's she's had some. There's Wait, been that's some good really success. yeah. We took yeah. I did. I was a fashion merchandising major, so we cool. studied costume. Yeah, I mean, it's so fun. And I agree. There's like a very there's a huge group of people across the country who mm-hmm. love to talk about costume because it's sure. just like it's such a unique part of and it comes from fashion, theater, sure. I mean, lo- lots of different. We all, we all wear clothes. Historical references. Right? I mean, you've yeah. gotta, it's got to be appropriate for the time. Well, it, it used to be that stars would just wear their own clothing. Right. Exactly. And the, the, the eventually design was like a designer emerged who became part of the larger production design process for know that the costume shouldn't be what's of the fashion at the moment. It should express something about the character mm-hmm. and about the story. And so that's that's the period that she's focusing on. And then it on. became so iconic, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so many iconic characters. Sure. Who and are now it's made... become commercial. Now you want to buy what they're wearing. Sure. Especially with something like Gossip Girl, you want to buy right now what they're wearing. So right. there's that added piece onto it. And the, the industry is is focused on what the actors are wearing off the stage mm-hmm. or off the screen. And, mm-hmm. and that that becomes the it garment that people have to wear so yeah there are fashion and costume design are definitely linked they're they're separate disciplines but so we they're need to get definitely her connected. on the podcast <laughs> i know i was like ooh, can she come on next week yeah, yeah. <laughs> so happy you, to introduce you yeah so tell us about now your role at oklahoma contemporary opened in march of the new building well, opened right. up in march of 2020 the plan, the yeah, plan. which was plan. like i mean uh, so the, plan, the best laid plans right, right yeah right. so the the architectural contract was signed in 2008. So, it, it, and, oh. and the thought process was many years before that. So, this, the new building, the planning process is more, you know, over a decade in the making. We were all set to open in grand fashion in March of 2020. We had a huge celebration planned, um, a ticketed event for uh, 
public publicly available ticketed event for our opening on a Thursday night. Friday morning, we were going to do ribbon cutting. The mayor was going to be there. We had someone from the cast of Daniel Fish's production of Oklahoma that was oh, launching, fun. that was supposed to launch its national tour in Oklahoma City right. at the Civic Center in September of 2020. All of these things were going to happen. It was going to be great. We were anticipating in the first week, maybe twelve to 15,000 people streaming through our doors. We had lots of programming. We had live demos with artists. We had some performance experience. We had a lot of stuff that was – anyway, we did have our gala for our leadership supporters of the Capitol campaign on March 10th, which was great. On March 11th, we had about 12 members of the national media in town, and that's the same night that Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19 when the Utah Jazz were playing the Thunder. I was at the game. Yep. Yep. So you remember what happened? The game <laughs> yeah. was canceled. Then the NBC, I mean, whole NBA season was canceled. So the next morning, we're fortunate to have um, some supporters who are uh, – one's an epidemiologist and one of our board members is a commander in the U.S. Public Health Service. Oh, wow. Um, Dr. Dan Molina. He's currently deployed in Chickasaw Nation. He's their chief of public health. He's a has been an amazing support and resource for us during this period. So th they said both – we don't advise that you stay open for this event. So in, in in our way of helping to slow the spread of COVID-19, we closed our doors before we opened them, and it was a very sad day. But that was what was supposed to happen. Uh, we ended up pivoting immediately. We did a lot of online programming. We started bringing our mission to the people instead of our people to the mission, as we had planned. And we in the background, we were working on things like a time ticketing system that would allow us to control the, the volume of visitors and by August of last year, we were able to, in a limited capacity, open our doors so people could experience the exhibitions that we had launched with and the spaces themselves and the various different things that we had hoped to connect to our communities here in Oklahoma City. Um, and we were able to extend all of the loans during the inaugural exhibition, that was be my Bright question. Golden what did, Haze. What, what exhibit did you open with? Bright Golden Haze, which was a, a large group show exploring light as the organizing principle. So uh, light and perception, light and environment, light and atmosphere. So some of the works were literally illuminated. We had painting, we had photography, we had uh, light installations. So there was a lot of different work that was focused in on light, right? Golden Haze, the title, takes uh, inspiration from the opening lyrics to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. There's a bright golden There's haze on the meadow. On the meadow. Exactly. Should I sing? No, my singing is horrible. No, no. <laughs> uh, so, and, and then since then, we've gradually expanded. We were able to do online classes at first and a, a lot of programming that would allow, you know, families at home to connect their kids with fun creative projects. We start. We really leaned in heavily on our blog, which we had, which we had, but we weren't populating it as aggressively as we started to last year. And then eventually, we were able to open more and then have in-person classes, which we're still running currently with some updated safety protocols as we're yeah. continuing to respond mm -hmm. to ever-changing public health conditions. So. Yeah, that was 2020 officially was the opening. Not like we thought it would be. We still haven't had a ribbon cutting. We're hoping at some point <laughs> we will do that. Uh, but yes, that was the culmination of many, many years of, of hard work for a lot of our trustees and our staff who were able to and – our, and our many, many capital campaign supporters, over 200 people helping us to realize this vision. So, and, and now everybody who's in Oklahoma City, admission is free. You should come check it out. Yeah, it's awesome. The fact that admission is free is pretty unique in mm -hmm. Oklahoma. It's one thing if you're in D.C., everything's free. But right. here, it really is a museum for the people of the yeah. city. Yeah, that's the goal. Um, we're really invested in becoming an indispensable part of the cultural fabric here. And we think one important step in doing that is to remove barriers of entry. And so that means 
outreach? How do we reflect the city as it's currently composed? How do people see themselves in what we do? Um, and then inviting them in before we say you have to fork over some cash. And, you know, I'll say it's it, it means we have to fund a lot of the, I mean, that's nothing's free. So we, we do have to fundraise in order to support keeping admission free to visitors. So that is an ongoing challenge that we tackle again and again because we feel that it's important. And if you're able, you should join and become a member Absolutely. of the museum. Absolutely. Memberships are available. There's lots of fun benefits and various tiers. There's in all the different levels, program. right. And there, you know, there's other ways to, to participate. You can take a class. Uh, are there scholarships available for mm-hmm. the camps and the classes? I mean, yes. my kids went to camp there, but at, right. at the fairgrounds because mm-hmm. my kids I are went older to camp now. There. Yeah. <laughs> no, really. A lot I of guess people I did. did. Maybe like, I it was did so too fun. when I was little. But the so there so you should go and look at the class opportunities for children and for grown-ups yeah. and there are scholarships at all levels if there are scholarships for youth and the camp program serves uh, four-year-olds through 12-year-olds. And, I mean, okay. it's the it's like one of the best camps. Oh, it's a great camp. Sure. I agree. It's the, one that my kids never complained about. It was one. Yeah. Of, it's out of all the camps I did. Yeah. And I did a ton because yeah. my mom, you know, she had three kids. She was right, getting sure. us out of the house. But yeah, that was one of the ones that I remember the most. Like yeah. I remember the pot, like doing pottery yeah. in that back classroom. Yep. I remember putting on, a, we did a theater production mm-hmm. and it was um, Native American. It was amazing. Yeah. Like I remember the costumes we made. Mm-hmm. Like I remember all of it. And yeah. I think that that just says a lot, right? That's I mean, amazing. I mean, I'm glad you had that experience. Yes, um, the camps are a really great program that we run. And for a lot of kids, it's their first exposure to art. Uh, and in fact, we have some success stories. One of, in our youth and family program, uh, one of our employees, shout out to Kaui, uh, she started at Camp Contemporary as a camper and now she works with us. Aww, so, like, because it was so impactful for her. Yeah, it yeah. was her first job out of college. You know, and it was available and she thought this is cool and she had a history with us. And so and and what's unique about it is it's as you mentioned, it's not just drawing. Right. right. We have a there are there's costume design camps. It was so fun. So there are camps that yeah. incorporate science and art. There's we did like a hip hop. My kids like hip-hop, a hip hop camp. Very or something. popular. Yeah. Hip hop we do every summer. It's very See, I popular. Don't know if that was there's a robotics but... camp. There's Yeah. A, I think my brother I can't remember. We like I remember we were at we were at the center at the same time, mm-hmm. obviously the one in the fairgrounds, but mm-hmm. he was doing something different. And I mm-hmm. thought that that was interesting. And I don't know if that's still the, the case where it was like. Oh, they're different. all running yeah. concurrently. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're all concurrent, okay. uh, but it, they're grouped by age. Right. So four-year-olds are on their own for a half-day camps, but then it's, you know, five and six and seven and eight. I was so, just, so I, I'm looking forward to sending my kids. Yeah. Like, absolutely. It, it's on my list. So. Will you take my 15-year-old? Can I lie and say she's 12? <laughs> well, we do. Actually, we do have classes for teens. Oh, you okay. do? So in our studio school program, go. which launched concurrently with the opening of the new building, we have a, a reorganized presentation for our adult classes. So they're all in our studio school. That's ceramics. It's fiber. It's painting, drawing, printmaking, a lot of different media. Dance. We've done experiments with different kinds of performance-based media as well. Uh, and there are opportunities for teens to take um, specific teen classes. So, okay. th- so yes, the That's 15 really year old would know. be in the wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, also for certain teens who are excelling at a given medium, we do give them the opportunity to apply to be in an adult class if that's the right fit for them educationally, but it is determined by our staff and the instructor if they're ready to, to be in that, in an adult class environment. But that's a great 
point because, you know, I remember at Cassidy, there were like certain, like I loved printmaking, things like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. if you have a child who loves one of their, do they still call it electives? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, um, right. Like loves one of their electives and maybe yeah. you can look and see if the contemporary kind of has something. Exactly. Yeah. And adults too, um, wide range of classes. We don't currently offer a scholarships, but we do have a veterans initiative that's expanding and that's free for any veterans of the United States military and that we've been running for many years now. And we also are expanding that into creative communities and working with a variety of different groups that have been historically underrepresented. And so we're, we're beginning with indigenous populations, but we'll grow to over time embrace all variety of different populations who maybe have historically not been invited into spaces like a museum or like an art center and who may not know this place exists. And so we're, we're expanding that program. We got a big grant uh, from the Institute of Museum and Library Services, which is a federal agency. So we're using those funds to expand that program as well. So we will have more opportunities in the future, hopefully for adult scholarships. Uh, but right now it's just for the veterans. So Ed Ruscha closed on July 5th. Mm-hmm. What exhibit is in the main hall now? Right now in the uh, Kirkpatrick Main Gallery, we have Art Now. Oh, yeah. A longstanding and well-loved institution in Oklahoma City since the early 90s. It used to be Cafe City Arts. Mm-hmm. Now it's Art Now since 2012. I'm sad I missed the brunch. Art at Brunch was I fun. I know. We, I, we were turnout. out of town. Happens. Same for a lot of people that we know. It was typically July is not the date, but, you know. We had to yeah. shift everything around, juggle it, make it work. Uh, so Art Now features 27 artists from around the state in its new biennial model, meaning we are every other year we'll be uh, curating the exhibition, organizing the show. This one was really focused on diversity, diversity of background, diversity of media, diversity of material. So we have a lot of different artists doing uh, a wide variety of approaches across all media. We and have video, ceramics. All uh, Some of the work is not for sale. Some of oh, it is. Okay. We are not. Um, it used to be a fundraising model. Right. Okay. And we, we still are fundraising for Art Now, but we're no longer operating as the sales entity. Oh, I see. Um, so if it, you would like a piece, you need to contact the yeah. artist. Yeah. And anyone who's interested, um, all of our visitor experience team, our gallery guides, they will tell you how to, if you'd like a piece, how to make the connection. And we, as the, the curatorial department at Oklahoma Contemporary, will connect the interested party to either the artist or their gallery. Oh, I see. And that's already happened. There's been multiple works that have been acquired um, or, you know, they're still on the walls. Right, right. right. You can't take them now. It, you exactly. But at the end of the exhibition, there are several people who will be acquiring those works. So, um, yeah, some of them are. Most of them are. There's a special exhibition within the exhibition of Bert Seaborn's work because he was the oh, recipient yeah. of our first annual or bi- biannual uh, Art Now Focus Award. So Bert got a special award. Bert Seaburn has been uh, painting for years. He's been a full-time painter since the 70s, but his art goes way back to his career in the Navy. Um, he's turning 90 this year. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he is just a, an Oklahoma treasure. He taught years and years. He taught classes at Oklahoma Contemporary. So as an artist, as an art educator, as someone with decades of commitment to the cultural scene here and contributions over that time, we honored him with this this first award. So um, so those works are all in other collections. Very cool. Uh, and then, yeah, some of them are available. Really cool work. Um, for many people who've seen it said it's their, their favorite show they've seen, their favorite art now they've seen so far. I think there, there are works probably for anyone who appreciates art. There's something there that will strike your fancy. I love it. And so how long will this exhibit be up? And I know you're already working on the next one because oh, yeah, it we're takes working, several years to... Yeah, we're, we're currently 
beginning we're talking about 2024 as well oh so my we're gosh. yeah we're oh my gosh yeah we're we plan years out for all the things that we're doing i'm 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 typically working 3 to 4 years out on a variety of different things at various stages of development not just in exhibitions across the institution uh, the currently art now it, it's only up for a short time. September 13th is the last day. So we better day. get there before. You yeah. got to get there. It may not be. Um, we have an opening on September 9th of two amazing uh, artists, both sculptors. Chikaya Booker will have a, a, a massive, large-scale sculptural installation at Campbell Art Park opening on September 9th. And Marin Hassinger, another amazing American sculptor, will have two sculptures that were originally debuted at the Aspen Art Museum installed in our sculpture garden. So that's on September 9th. It'll be a great opportunity to meet those artists, to see the work for the first time, and to catch Art Now during the last Thursday night late um, of its run. I love that. Yeah. I always love Campbell Art Park because that's my daughter's name. I know. That's oh, nice. Name. That's right. <laughs> well, because when we drive by, we're like, Campbell Art Park. That's I cool. Know. That's like not. That's her park. It's her that's park. That's her park. Yeah. That's what she But I love that. Sure. And it, it'll be outside too. Right. right? So mm -hmm. if you're feeling, you know, COVID conscious, it's, it's the perfect opportunity. Great way to do it. Last summer we had Jin Lewin's Aqueous and we had a ton yeah. of people every day who were going to experience that because it was interactive. It was bright. It was great for all ages. And it was outside. Yeah, know, so. exactly. Which we love. Okay. Yeah. So we're taking way too much of your time. Uh -huh. um, okay. Let's do our first final question. So sure. it's kind of a three-parter. Mm -hmm. It's you in 10 years, mm -hmm. the museum in 10 years, or I, I shouldn't call it a museum, right? Well, so there, there's some consternation about this. Yeah. If people call it a museum, it's fine. Museum from the ancient Greek just means home of the muses, which means the house of inspiration. Okay, I know, I, but I, it's it, fine. We are not, because we are not a non-collecting institution, right. okay. um, we, our official title is Oklahoma Contemporary Arts Center. The Arts Center. But okay. Colloquially, saying museum is totally fine. Okay. Well, I just don't want to. I don't know. I like I to. Know, we got to have the right terminology. I like to. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And then Oklahoma City in ten years. Kind of where do sure. you see these? Me, the institution, the city. The city. Okay. Yes. Um. I'm going to start with the city. Actually. So the census data just came out. Yeah, it's incredible. Right? 22, 22nd largest city in the country. Yeah. Right? So we 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 jumped up a few spots from 25, and we added over a hundred thousand people in the last decade. We're one of the only 14 cities that experienced that level of growth. Um, many cities are on the decline. Oklahoma City is definitely not one of those. Uh, I think even before 10 years, and we've seen this previously, there are so many great American cities that are not LA, New York, Chicago. I mean, even a lot of those cities have in some ways become either overly developed or too aggressively developed during the time period, right. which means that they have troubles about inequality. They have a, a difficulty keeping up with infrastructure and housing. And that when the demand is high and the supply is tight, of course, prices go through the roof. So thinking about places like Austin, Texas, great city, great culture, really expensive to live there. I just ta was talking to somebody yesterday about this. She lives yeah. in Austin. And she's trying to convince her husband to move here. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I have had the same conversation several times Yeah, with people in Austin. Seattle, same story. Yeah. Denver, Colorado, right? Oh, same. Blue, uh, buy a house in Denver, Nashville, Colorado. same. Yeah. Atlanta, same. So the, these great cities that are everyone wants to live there, they are becoming increasingly less accessible. If you want to buy a house and have enough, you know, disposable income to do fun stuff with your kids or go on vacation with your partner, whatever the case may be. So Oklahoma City has. An abundance of opportunity. We've got a good quality of life here. We have clean air, clean water. 
There are some good school systems that are present. There are some great higher educational institutions, colleges, universities, and so on. And now, and this is the, a big change, we're seeing much more investment and interest in culture. Mm-hmm. So the trajectory of the city, I think, is one that is on a, a stratospheric level where it seems small now. Uh, but and for example, just this fall, Gallery Magazine had a list of six most interesting exhibitions around the world. There was... Paris, of course. There was a couple in London, a couple in New York, one in Detroit, about cars, looked cool, <laughs> and Ed Ruscheo, KLA at Oklahoma Contemporary, right? So that this institution and, and others too are generating international attention will it continue to help Oklahoma City grow. So I think in 10 years, with the level of investment that's downtown, um, with Liberty Bank hopefully coming online <laughs> during that time, Sister Tail Park continuing to expand, um, the various opportunities connect to the Civic Center, the Museum of Art downtown, First Americans Museum that's opening in a yes. few weeks' time. Yes. That at the Claire Looper Center, which will be opening probably in four or five years. Uh, all of those investments will have compounding effects. So the more we invest, the more people will come. Heartland, the credit card processing company, just moved another 500 jobs here. They built a new building that opened last year. Are they from Jacksonville? I believe originally New Jersey. They're part of a much larger conglomerate. Okay. But I think that their previous headquarters were in maybe Morristown. I could be making that okay. up, but New Jersey. Um, likewise, Costco is moving administrative staff here. So oh, I didn't know that. That's that's going. Those trends okay. will continue. Yeah. Um, it, it is. People might find fault with this phrase, but it is a business business friendly environment. A lot of businesses who find it more difficult or more expensive to do what they do in places like the New York metropolitan area or even places like Dallas might find it's pretty attractive in Oklahoma City. So I think that those elements, the economic renaissance continuing, the cultural renaissance really heating up is going to attract all kinds of people from all backgrounds. So in 10 years, I think we can see another expansion of the population. As long as housing keeps pace, I think they'll still be fairly affordable to live here by comparison to some of our friends on the coasts or places like Austin. And I think that the vision of the, the movers and the shakers, the small artist spaces that are developing, the small businesses, the design studios, those will grow, those will continue, and we'll see a city that becomes increasingly more and more competitive when people are thinking about where do I want to move my family? Where do I want to move my business? And so I, I think I'm bullish, very, very bullish long-term on Oklahoma City's prospects. So I think we would agree with you. I think, I think we're so. pretty bullish as yeah. well, especially after having talked to so many people about and asking this exact same question. Yeah. I mean, you are in good company with a lot of people who agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I, but the data are there. I, I think it's it's informed opinions. It's not just boosters or propagandists. I think you know I, I spend time in a lot of other cities. They're great, uh, and Oklahoma City has some things going for it that will benefit it in the long term. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, and then in terms of the institution, ten years is a long time in the life cycle of an, a, an organization like us. Especially, you know, we just really, really got going less than a year ago maybe on the outside 12 months ago. So I hopefully in 10 years will be seeing an increasing expansion of what we're doing. Uh, maybe the construction at that point, probably not constructed a new building, but maybe planning for some expansion to house more studio spaces for work, maybe other um, galleries, other performance spaces to support the continuing growth of culture and demand for it here. I think um, just on the next few years, the shows that we have coming up, that will mean increasing 
um, attendance locally, regionally, nationally, and increasing recognition internationally. There's a few projects that are on the horizon uh, that are unique globally and that will attract a huge following. I can't spill the beans on any nope, of those don't now. Don't spill the beans. But a few of but them you are. You can come back and tell uh, us absolutely. About them later. But okay. a, a few of them are. Uh, we, it will be garnering the attention of major institutions, interested art lovers, collectors, audiences around the world. And that will also help drive tourism, which is another great benefit to our city. Personally, I have no idea. I <laughs> really don't. I'm, I'm so focused right now on building the foundation with our team so that the institution can thrive decades and decades beyond its founding. And for that to happen, any institution, any business – any startup, you need to really cement those peers, those foundations upon which you can build. And so we're really in the process of doing that to ensure that no matter who's at the helm or who's occupying the various different leadership roles or the, the other key functions, the key staff positions throughout the institution, no matter who's there, the institution will be at such a point where it will and it will move on, it will execute its mission, uh, and it will be a thriving and indispensable component for culture in the city of Oklahoma City, the state of Oklahoma, the region, the United States, and beyond. And so I think that that work is really ongoing and in earnest now. But I think in 10 years time, there are a lot of people who still haven't heard of Oklahoma Contemporary in our marketplace. I think there will be no one who lives here who will not my, have My heard husband of it was one of them. Years. Yeah. Six months ago, I said something about the Oklahoma Contemporary and he said, what is that? Oh my yeah. Gosh. We all, we all, yeah. Occup we occupy our own it was, bubbles. It was a difficult conversation that, that followed. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> my gosh. It's okay if you don't know about us. That's fine. Just just stop come by. on. Yeah. Stop now that by. you know, we'll tell you what's gotta, going on. And it's free. So yeah. you can. Yeah. Well, okay. So final question. Yeah. yeah. Your best friend from New York who's never been to Oklahoma City mm -hmm. springs a visit on you. Yes. You pick them up at the airport. You have the entire day to do whatever you want. What do you take them to do in Oklahoma City? I, I have a canned answer for this because this happens frequently. Uh, yes, yeah. yes, and you are hosting yeah, people from all over for work specifically right. as yeah. well, we, right? We give them the list of things to do. Um, it, you're going I, with them on this. So yeah, sure. this you're is you and a friend, not mm -hmm. a colleague. So I tailor it to I tailor it to the individual. Of course. Uh, but of course, we've got to go to Oklahoma Contemporary. We of have course, to stop yes. at Cafe Contemporary. So oh, Grab a bite, have some coffee, have a cocktail, depending on the time of day. Uh, that's definitely on the docket. Uh, but beyond that, I, I loved – so people who don't have any orientation to this place, it's really fun to bring them in because – there is, are so many surprises. And as Mayor Holt says in classic, I think, Oklahoma humility uh, when, about Oklahoma City to people who aren't who are visiting from somewhere else, is, we will exceed your expectations. Yes, <laughs> we will. Yeah. And let's hope we continue to do that, right? Yeah. Let's hope that Absol it never catches up. Expectations never catch up. Yeah, with. absolutely. Yeah. Let's continue to ex expand minds. Um, definitely the National uh Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum. You can call it the Cowboy Hall of Fame if you want. That, we do. I know you might get some affectionately heat from your no, colleagues, they, but the, 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 well, affectionately known as the Cowboy. The Cowboy. The cowboy um, yes. And that's what everyone here calls it, the Cowboy. And it used to be the Cowboy Hall of Fame. Uh, that is a, a unique institution internationally. And so it, it is, even if you, you don't think the so-called West, whatever that may mean, is your bag. It's, it's a fast. It's, awesome. it's a fascinating yeah. place to visit, and there's no other institution like it. So that because it's unique, that's definitely on the docket. Not open yet, but I would also recommend First American Museum for the same reason. It's going to on the opposite end. It's going to really 
dive deeply into the indigenous histories and experiences, cultural artifacts, art, both ancient and contemporary of the um, 39 federally recognized tribes that are based in Oklahoma, but also you know indigenous communities beyond as well. I know and what they're planning in the future. So that that place is going to be amazing. And then on the smaller scale stuff, the plaza is great. Go through the plaza walls. It's a, just a really funky neighborhood with tons of personality, a lot of youthful energy. I was just there picking up Empire Slice House over the weekend and there was some cats break dancing, you know, and <laughs> oh, on you the kind of felt like you were in you New know, York for a brief yeah, moment. Yeah, so that's always a fun place to visit for people. Uh, likewise, the Paseo is a charming area that Love you just to yeah. walk through uh, and, 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 and it's beginning and, and continuing its development as a cultural destination. And then this may seem um, off the, the track, but Super Cow Win. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, that joint. it is an experience in yeah. itself. It, I love going there. It, it's a, So for those of you who are not familiar, it is an Asian superstore based in Oklahoma City, not too far from the Paseo, and it's it's spectacular. Um, Peter Meehan, who is a collaborator and wrote a couple books with the chef David Chang, has said it's the best Asian superstore in America. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's got to uh, be. It's amazing. So that's just because it's so unexpected. I love taking people to the Asian district, you know, maybe getting a, a, a bowl of pho, checking out. Oh, what's your favorite pho place? I, I, is... They're all really good. So I, 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 I'm I a newcomer here. I don't have like longstanding family loyalty. So I, this was my personal choice, but no shade to the other fine establishments, but Pho Lin Hua is my favorite. Well, that that's that's, it. I've that's, heard that's also a really what good one. The David Shea would yeah. say that's his yeah. favorite too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's the the they're way they're opening another one by the oh, way nice. in Edmond, maybe. Good for them. Somewhere they're they're opening another one. I keep driving by. I don't know why I drive by it, and it's almost open. That's awesome. Yeah. Good for the family. I'm excited. I know for that. it's all. That's really yeah. exciting. Yeah, those are a few things, but it would take you know I'd tailor it to the individual visitor and just make sure that you know it might be Frontier City. I don't know if you got some teenagers or something. I saw somebody was there yesterday and only one ride was open. Yeah, so I don't know Ouch. Frontier yeah. City. Take that program. Back. Maybe they're yeah. not. Yeah. yeah. Have you been to Frontier City? I um, went to Frontier City with my nieces when they were in their I'm really cool phase. So they're like, yeah, okay, I guess we'll do that. And then we went to Frontier and City, and they were it. like giggling. Uh-huh. It was great. And that was they're they're now like amazing young women, um, nineteen and twenty. But a few years ago, I think this was like twenty sixteen, maybe. So yeah, they were at the height of their teenage ennui. Uh, but yeah, we had a great time. We used to live like sort of near there, mm-hmm. and so we would like see if did any... you have a season pass? No, we would just see if somebody would get stuck on the Silver Bullet because we could see it. Oh, at the top, <laughs> yes, uh-huh. and it would get stuck yeah. quite a bit. Oh, mm-hmm. that's not why, that's no why shade I don't go to Frontier things. City. Right. Like I know that place is. Kind of an institution, but we would literally watch. We'd be like, "Oh, it's stuck up there. Yep, it's it's stuck. <laughs> <Amazing>. Still there. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Well, where but. can people find you? Where can they find Oklahoma Contemporary? Sure, we are on uh, most active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can find us at OK Contemporary. Uh, there's lots of ways to engage with us online. We love people who comment, like, follow, uh, and also interact with us. We do respond when people throw ideas our way or um, have anything positive or constructive feedback. We love to, to have all of that too. Uh, our Instagram is pretty cool for people who are into that. I recommend it. Um, our website, oklahomacontemporary.org, is another way to connect with what we do and have a pretty exhaustive way of, of all the different options that are available from classes, programs, performances, exhibitions, youth programs, camps, and so on. 
great exhaustive resource for that. You can come visit us at 11 Northwest 11th Street in Oklahoma City. Uh, I have an Instagram page that I don't really curate, I think is what the cool kids say. I'm, yeah, I'm that's okay, contractually so. obligated to, to not do that. Stuff? You can. Okay. It's my full name, Jeremiah Matthew Davis. I just don't I don't pay attention to it. Not yeah. because I don't recognize its immense value. It's just it's at the bottom lot, of the list. A lot of, of stuff to going do. on. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. yeah, that's we loved this so much. Yeah. Same. Thank Thanks for having me. It was great. For spending time with us this morning. It was a pleasure. We can't wait to get to see art now and to yes, see what's I coming up. I look forward to hearing your thoughts about it. And anytime you do the spin-off podcasts about food and pop culture, I'm in. We're I, that's yeah. next on our list. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have a great week. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at Action City OKC. Or for business inquiries, email us at hello at actioncityokc.com. Action City is produced by Blacken Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Blacken Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll. <laughs> <laughs>